It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. So, I don't know if you heard, but a little news happened on Friday. Sheila is back on The Bold and the Beautiful, which has led to a lot of speculation. Might she also go to The Young and the Restless? Might The Young and the Restless's Adam be next as, as CBS continues to surprise viewers uh, this summer? Well, we've got some good news on that front. We've got some bad news on that front, and we've got some, yeah, that's not really news on that front. And it's all coming up tonight on Tune In Tomorrow. Good evening, everybody. I don't know about where you are, but where I am, it is hot as, insert your favorite word there. I know what mine is, but I don't think I'm really allowed to say it on the show. I originally had planned for tonight, you know, a couple of new segments. I was going to introduce this, like, you know, funny little music cue, and I was going to introduce a sound effect instead of being the, you know, low-key, low-rent show we are every other week. But in order to do that, I would have had to have done the broadcast from upstairs in the editing booth here at the House of Mountain Retreat. And it's about 1,000 degrees hotter up there than it is down here. And so I said, no, I love you guys, but not enough to sit in that. Plus, I was very concerned that given that Blog Talk Radio can be wonky at times, I couldn't even imagine how wonky it might be if all the computers were like overloading in the heat. So instead, I am coming to you from the living room of Mountain Retreat, where it is only a scathing 162 degrees as opposed to the 370 that it is upstairs. Uh, But I want to thank you for showing up uh, and hanging out with me tonight. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to be taking your calls as well because, as always, you know, this really is your opportunity to voice your opinions and sound off and, you know, take your pet peeves out for a stroll. If you want to join the conversation, the call-in number here is 714-868-0749. Again, that's 714-868-0749. And once you're on the line, if you, uh, you'll be prompted, I believe, to push the button. Maybe like it'll say push one if you want to join. And that will send a signal to me on the very, very low-tech uh, system here that you're there and want to join the conversation, and we'll bring you on. So obviously, the big news this week was uh, Friday's episode of The Bold and the Beautiful. I was off on Friday, so I was, you know, hanging out at the house, and I wasn't really watching the shows. I figured I'd watch them over the weekend, and I was doing my thing. 
uh, which by saying I mean sitting around waiting for the groceries to be delivered or for the water company to come put in a new new meter. And I get a message from Charlie because, um, you know, it's my best friend who is, uh, you know, I never introduced myself, filling me. I just assume you know who I am, but I'm Richard, the executive editor at Soaps in Depth. I'm also the one who you tweet with if you join us for live tweeting every afternoon. And my best friend and roommate is Charlie, who also happens to work with me, so we spend a lot of time together. Anyway, he was at the office, and he suddenly texted me and said, get off the Internet right now. Go turn on the television and watch The Bold and the Beautiful. This was, a, this was just after 2 o'clock, so the episode had just finished airing, and he knew I had DVR'd it. And, of course, you know, when I'm sitting there and I'm watching the episode, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's fine. It's a good episode, but I don't really get what all the excitement is about. And then, all of a sudden, at the end of the episode, who shows up but Sheila frickin' Carter? Kimberlyn Brown, uh, there on my screen, introducing herself as Sheila, and then that great, fantastic, awesome promo that uh, CBS Daytime ran immediately after it, touting it as the summer of Sheila. There are a lot of questions regarding Sheila's return. You know, um, many of us thought she was dead, uh, but there she is on our screen. The other question is, might she, given that CBS is advertising this as the summer of Sheila, might she swing over to the Young and the Restless Genoa City and pay a visit to her old pal, Lauren? Uh, Lauren is her old pal in much the same way that uh, many of you know Dan Kroll is my longtime friend. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, we're friends just like Lauren and Sheila. Uh, so might that happen? Might she swing over there and pay a visit? That is, uh, I would be shocked if they don't. I mean, you know, you that 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 seems like the kind of thing where you almost have to. Um, Sheila is such a notorious character that obviously I am expecting that Eric. Uh, Eric Forrester, who knows Lauren Fenmore's connection and long history with Sheila Carter. I'm expecting that uh, as this unfolds, he will at some point call her. And yes, they're not dragging this out. Eric will know in the next day or two that Sheila is alive. Uh, this is going to be you know, very big, very explosive, so tune in, keep watching. Uh, the other question that this raises is uh, whether The Young and the Restless might also consider bringing a character back, and that would be Adam Newman. Obviously, Adam died last year, supposedly, uh, when Justin Hartley left to go do NBC's This Is Us. Uh, they wrote the character off by having Chloe uh, uh, confront him at that cabin and then blow him up, or did she, you know, might she have him stashed somewhere? And, of course, people have, from the beginning, been been really kind of crying out for Adam to come back. A lot of folks, of course, there's the fans who have, since Michael Muni first exited, have been wanting Michael Muni to come back. I personally don't see that happening, just because, I, I, I don't know, I just feel like the way that that all went down when he left the show... Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like it won't happen, but you never know. But I do think there is a very good chance that the show will bring Adam back. It's just too good a story not to. Adam is too central a character. Um, you know, the first time they killed him off is a big mistake. The second time they sort of left themselves wiggle room because we didn't actually see him die and all that. Um, a, a site that I will not mention earlier this week reported that, yes, spoilers indicate that they are bringing back Adam Newman. Um, 
The Satan question is full of – what's the polite word I'm looking for? Crap. They do this all the time. They say spoilers indicate, and then they have no spoilers to actually back that up. It's just the way that they put out there whatever the heck they want to put out there. Um, no, there is no news. There is no news that, that uh, Michael Muni is coming back. There is no news that Adam is coming back. There is no news on that front whatsoever. Again, do I think that it's very, very likely that Adam Newman will come back? Yes, it, yes, I do, because I think it would be a very big missed opportunity. And this is the part of the show where I have to do something a little bit uncomfortable. I have to call somebody out. There's this guy. He tweets a lot. Um, oh my God, he's all over Twitter and Facebook and pretty much everywhere else. And he is a very, 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 very strong believer that people should not come back from the dead on soaps. His name is Richard. He worked for Soaps in Depth. Um, some of you know him, some of you like him, some of you hate him. Um, and he is constantly saying that um, that by bringing people back who have died on soaps, you basically are taking away any emotional value to be had in depth on soap operas. He's a really strong advocate of that. And yet, the minute Sheila Carter showed up on his screen, who, you know, was supposed to be dead, he was cheering from the heavens and sending out tweets about how excited he was and praising Bold and the Beautiful to the heavens. And so, yeah, this is the section of the show where I'm calling myself out. But I'm also sort of giving myself, much like when characters die on soaps, I'm giving myself a little bit of an out here. And that is because... While I am a big believer that soap should not bring characters back from the dead, I also believe there are exceptions to every rule. Yes, I am being that soap fan who says, no, General Hospital is too crowded. They don't need new characters. I don't want to see any new characters on General Hospital unless they're going to bring so-and-so over from One Life to Live or so-and-so over from All My Children. Then I'll make an exception because that is who we are as soap fans. We have very, very passionate feelings, things that we believe in strongly, things we believe should happen, things we believe shouldn't happen, and things that we sort of will make exceptions for in our own self-imposed rule. So, yes, I'm calling myself out and I'm giving myself an exception here because I believe that Kimberlyn Brown and the character of Sheila are worth bringing back to the canvas. I think, um, honestly, I think that, that Bold and Beautiful sort of needed this jolt. Uh, I think it was very important that they do something to sort of spice things up. It was feeling, things just weren't really gelling. I'll also say the other thing Bold and Beautiful has been doing for the last couple of weeks, and you know if you follow me on Twitter that I've been, I've been pointing this out every day because I'm very happy and excited about it. Um, Bold and the Beautiful has been telling more than one story a day. Bold and Beautiful gets in these ruts. I love Bold and Beautiful. You know that. I love it more than I love any of my relatives, which probably, you know, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot, no matter what they say. But Bold and Beautiful also gets into some bad habits, and one of them is telling only one story at a time. And if you're not invested in that story, you have no reason to watch that episode. You can tune in, and five minutes in, you can tell it's one of those episodes because they'll go from, say, Thomas and Sally to people talking about Thomas and Sally to other people talking about Thomas and Sally. So you're like, oh, well, clearly this is going to be an episode where it's all one story, and if I don't really care about that story, I don't really necessarily have a reason to stick around. But when you're telling multiple stories, like today, where you know we had um, Thomas and Sally on the, on the double date with Steffi and Liam, and then we also had all of the stuff with Sheila, 
I am invested. If I'm not invested in one story, there's a good chance I'm invested in the other. If I'm not invested in either story, then I'm not really sure why I'm watching The Bold and the Beautiful because those are the main stories on the show featuring the main characters. So I've been really, really thrilled that Bold and Beautiful is telling more than one story at a time. The other big news that came out this week was that Eileen Davidson is coming back to Days of Our Lives. Uh, she is taping in June, which means she will appear in 2019. Well, it's not quite that bad, but you know, Days of Our Lives tapes way in advance. So while she is taping now, she's not expected to show up on screen until November. That's what Michael Logan reported when he broke the story earlier this week. Um, he's saying he's also saying that they don't are not revealing at this time exactly who she's playing. So that will be sort of something to tune in for. I'm actually, you know, there's a lot going on on Days of Our Lives right now that I'm excited about. And when I say right now, I mean the stuff they're taping now that we're going to see starting this fall. Most of the stuff on screen right now, like this island stuff, I'm just, it's just not working for me. I, I am not a big fan of this type of story where everything, you know, the, the set looks like every other island set. I've talked about this before. It's just, it's just not really my thing. But I just found out today about a story that will start unfolding once the island gang gets back home. And it's everything I look for in a soap. It's kind of old-fashioned soap goodness. So I'm excited about that. Then we get the news. We know that Allison Sweeney and Chandler Massey are coming back. So I'm excited about that. Then you get the news that Eileen Davidson's coming back. And, you know, that Morgan, Morgan, Morgan Freeman, Morgan Fairchild is going to be joining the show. You add all those things up, and I'm very excited about what's coming on Days of Our Lives. So I'm really psyched to see what. Uh, Ron Carlovati has in store. We're not seeing his stuff on air yet, but when it hits, I'm really psyched to see what hits. Uh, we're going to start taking some of your calls now. Get your thoughts, your opinions. Uh, the number here is 714-868-0749. You'd think I'd have that mem number memorized by now, but I do not. Uh, it's 714-868-0749. Once you're on the line, you'll be prompted to uh, push a button that will send a little flag waving in the air and let me know you want to talk. Our first caller here is from 204. 204, you're on Richard, the air. Richard, it's Al from Canada. How are you? Al from Canada. I'm so glad you made it. I have missed you. How are you? Good, very good. So, summer's How is the weather there? there? Is it as is it as hot there as it is here? Um, yeah, it's about 20. I went for a bike ride yesterday in the evening time, so 20 plus. It's it's been good. Very good. Just perfect. All right. Well, I'm glad to have you on board because you always come prepared with questions. And usually, at least one of them is a challenge to me, so I can't wait to hear what you have in store for me tonight. Okay, um, uh, just days um, Y&R and GH. Um, okay. How do you feel about Sally Sussman's Y&R? Let me um, go first. Um, actually, before I even uh, do that, let me ask you this. Um, what would a Richard Sims, in a brief statement, GH, Y&R, and Days look like if you could have control over all three shows? They'd look old-fashioned, um, and at the same time, they'd be modern. And I know that sounds like a contradiction, but I'm a big believer that soaps need to get away from the stuff that they don't do well, 
focus on what they do do well, which is, you know, romance and family and stuff like that, but do it in a modern age. Play with stories of human sexuality. Play with technology-related stories. Play with modern crime stories. So at the heart, they would still be family and love, but they would be doing it in a very modern way. Okay. Um, what the, okay, getting back to Y&R, um, Sally Sussman, in the beginning when she st- took over, I thought she did great. But now I'm starting to think that maybe there are other entities controlling her stories because in the early, uh, like, January when Dylan went undercover and Paul had to kind of find them and track them down and all of that, um, just and Lauren having her problems with Fenmore's and Jack trying to take over Fenmore's and all that, that seemed really, really great, riveting stuff. Now, all of May, which was sweeps, was boring to me. What do you, what's your take? I wouldn't say that May was boring to me because, I mean, one of the things we got in May was the great stuff with Dina Abbott coming home and all the Abbott family drama, and I loved all that stuff. Yeah. I will say, though, I get what you're saying. I'm, I was disappointed that after we got that great stuff with Lauren being kind of folded into all the business stuff at Jabot, I feel as if Lauren was sort of brought to the fore so that her son could be kidnapped and we could go through all that drama. Victor could rescue Scotty. And then once Scotty was reintroduced onto the canvas, Michael and Lauren could step back into the background. I'm a huge fan of anything and everything that Tracy Bregman and Christian Jules LeBlanc do, they are sort of, to me, core soap opera. And so in quick succession, we've seen them pushed to the background since Scotty came on. And then, of course, Michael loses his brother when, when Greg Rickert, which the writing off of Kevin is inexplicable to me. This, the time was never better than to keep Kevin on the canvas. He just became a single dad. I mean, I mean, there's so much to do with Kevin, and so to write him off makes no sense to me. But again, it sort of plays into this sort of backburning of the Fisher-Baldwin clan, which I am not a fan of, to be honest. Yeah, um, and just another point on Weinar, a couple of points the GAT today. So, you know, what also I've noticed, too, is I wrote this on Dan Crow's uh, message for Soap Central. The organic conflict just doesn't seem to be working on uh, on Weinart. Like Sharon versus Lauren, even Mariah versus Hillary, and Abby and Victoria even sniping at each other. Just doesn't. Some of it doesn't feel right. Maybe Hillary and and uh, Lily feels right, but Hillary and Mariah feels forced. And what, what's your take? I agree with you. And my problem there is this. I feel like they are trying to turn Hillary into almost a one-note bitch, you know, and soaps need bitches. They definitely do. But the mo- but for, for a bitch to really work and be interesting, she needs to be multifaceted, and we're not seeing that with, with Hillary. I don't think that Mariah and Devon work as a long-term couple. I think they work as a short-term spoiler for Hillary and Devon, where, you know, as anybody who listens to the show knows, one of my favorite kind of stories is when you have a very popular super couple kind of situation, like with Hillary and Devon, you break them up for what, how, through whatever means, and you put them both with other people. And everybody knows it's kind of temporary. The challenge is how, how interesting can you make those side couples? And I don't really find Jordan and Hillary or Mariah and Devon 
particularly interesting. And again, I would have been more interested in um, this is another reason I would have kept Kevin on the canvas because I would have liked to have seen more exploration of Kevin and Mariah, who was a much more interesting couple to me than are Devon and Mariah. So I feel like you're right. The, 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 the scenes between Hillary and Mariah, it feels forced and it feels fake. There's no reason for Mariah to continue working at the Hillary hour. And by the way, the whole GC buzz Hillary hour, that stuff just does not work. It's just, it, it just it doesn't work. I don't know what this show is. I don't know what it's supposed to be. It just doesn't work for me. So here's I the thing take... about no. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say here's the thing about Mariah, and I also wrote this on the message board as well. Mariah really has got an e-ticket to um, a lot of cash. Mariah does not need to work for Hillary. She lives on a millionaire's ranch with her recently found mother. Her mother is rich. She probably doesn't pay rent. All she has to do is take care of a car, and she gets money, and she doesn't pay rent. So Mariah has, must have a lot of cash. Well, not only that, but Mariah working at the TV station just doesn't feel natural. She did not want to be an on-camera personality, so her being that, just it doesn't feel natural. I would buy them butting heads more if Devon, when he um, – you know, sort of signed the whole kit and caboodle over to Hillary, if he had done so with the condition that Mariah be made executive producer of, you know, GC Buzz, the Hillary Hour, whatever it is, that would make more sense to me because then I would understand their headbutting. But I don't see Mariah as – Mariah has never been someone who wants to be in the spotlight, so it feels forced to me that she's constantly, you know, that they're doing these things to be on camera and all that. It would make it would also make more sense to me. And again, this this goes back to keeping Kevin on the canvas. Mariah has always has the thing that we've kind of known about her career wise is that she's interested in journalism. It would have made so much more sense, especially now that that Scott has this new media conglomerate, if Mariah had gone to work for him. And imagine if Mariah goes to work for Scott while she's dating Kevin, who is Scott's best friend. And she's involved with Kevin, but she finds herself attracted to Scott, who is dating Sharon. I mean, like, that feels natural and organic to me. I understand that. I understand what everybody's position is there. I don't understand Mariah and Hillary because I don't understand what Mariah is getting out of that situation. Yeah, probably what would be doing is that they just fold uh, Mariah into Victor's um, digital media company uh, uh, as well. So my last point on YNR is, what do you think Weinar should do with the Williams and uh, Baltimore? Uh, how do you think? How would you fold them into the canvas more? With who? The Williams and the Baldwins. How would you fold them more into the canvas, like the Abbots and the Newmans? Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, well, you know, the Williams is really at this point is is basically Paul. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. uh, and Paul is, and again, that was a great story they had there. With I really like. Paul being protective of Kevin because, you know, let's face it, Paul has, has not had a great history with his children, mostly because they were raised by, by, away from him. But, you know, he shot and killed Ricky. He didn't have a good relationship with Heather. And so I felt like in Kevin, he had this kind of, this kid who, Kevin has a history. He's been known to get in trouble. And I feel like Paul was very protective of him. So I would have liked to have continued that. But more importantly, Paul has a connection to Nikki that I would really love to see them play. I would like them to see now that Nikki is, is separated from Victor in, in, you know, basically every way except publicly. And I assume that, that 
they can soon go public with that. Let's play Nikki. Let's play Nikki as, you know, exploring her past and looking at what went wrong. And, you know, was Jack really the one I should be with? Was Paul really the one I should be with? You know, have Paul and Nikki sort of lean on each other. Uh, You know, there's a million reasons you could play that. And since Christine is such an off-screen presence most of the time, it would be, it would give Paul actual story. As far as uh, the Fisher-Baldwin clan, the Fisher-Baldwin, they they don't need a, 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 they are a story in and of themselves. You know, I mean, Lauren, they, again, I would play, uh, I would play Christine more often, and the way I would play it is I would have Lauren and Michael both becoming very, very busy at work. Michael getting more and more caught up in his legal work that really he – Lauren does not share that with him, but Christine does. So if Christine and, and Michael started working together more and old feelings might be kindled, remember, even though he attacked her years ago, he also almost married her – uh, so if those old feelings start to come up, then you suddenly have Lauren and Paul who start leaning on each other and saying, geez, our spouses are spending a lot of time together. Again, it's organic. It doesn't end up feeling like, because these people have past relationships. So you don't have to sort of reach into the plot point, we'll draw out a plot point and say, okay, now we're going to have, you know, Lauren is going to be stalked, or now we're going to have, it, it, the, the more organic a story feels, to the audience, the more it plays on established relationships, the better as far as I'm concerned. Okay. I'm going to move into GH. Just one question. I think GH should um, shake things up. And something you said the other day um, when I heard one of your podcasts, I think that this is what I would do if I could control GH. I would have Sonny and Julian both get out of the mob and turn their backs on the mob and all that, but it causes problems. And maybe they um, uh, somehow purchase GH and are the running administrators of it all. Because to me, Sonny's um, obsession with the mob doesn't feel organic to me. Unlike, say, Victor Newman's um, power um, on YNR. Victor feels uh, more authentic with his power and all his stuff with his business and taking over companies and all that feels much more authentic than Sonny constantly wanting to stay in the mob and maybe have Anna as their handler. What do you think about that? I'm going to agree with you and disagree with you. Um, I agree with you that I want Sonny and Julian out of the mob. I think it was last week that I spun my whole story of how I would get them out of the mob, what I would have them doing after they're out of the mob. You know, I would do a good, like, three- or four-month arc where they're working together to bring down the mob so that they can be set free from it, that whole thing. Where I disagree with you is that Sonny being, Sonny's you know, desire for power and being in the mob feels unnatural because, to me – they have gone out of their way time and again over the years to make it very clear that for Sonny, it's all about the power. I think it's because when he was a kid, he was powerless. You know, he he didn't have, he he was sort of abused as a child. And this is, so for him, power represents everything. No one is ever going to screw with him again because he is the most power, you know, because he's got this power base. He even very, he made the very conscious decision when given the opportunity when he had to choose between Brenda, the love of his life, or you know what some people would say is the love of his life, it depends on who you ask, and the mob, Brenda walked away from him because she knew he would always, always, always choose power. He could not live without power. So for me, it feels very natural. The story for me is you take Sonny out of the mob, 
and he still has that thirst for power, how does he get it? I don't see him getting that at the hospital because the hospital isn't really a power base. The hospital is like an administrative thing. Nobody wants to really be, you know, no, nobody who wants power wants to run the hospital. But he would want to run ELQ. And so he sets his sights on taking over the most powerful company in town. And that plays into all kinds of history and ropes in all kinds of other characters. So, so that's where I sort of disagree. I don't focus on the hospital. I let Sonny take over ELQ or try to and set off a war. And I have Julian go over and run his actual media empire that we never see him do anything with. So you'd say that Sonny would almost be like uh, more of a heavier Jack, like a corporate raider now. Oh, definitely. In fact, I would loop Jacks into this. I would have uh, um, Ned and the Quartermains um, who want to keep Jacks out of their company bring Jacks to town and and have him trying to keep. Sonny from taking over the company because then it also sets Jackson Sonny to natural predators who hate each other. It sets them against each other. I mean, there's just so, for me, the more you, again, the more you can play on history and relationships and, and established dynamics like the, the long time rivalry between Jackson Sonny, the better. But so you don't see Jackson Sonny kind of like Victor and Jack, where one of them is constantly the loser. Jackson isn't like Sonny isn't like Victor where he's going to constantly win, guaranteed to win, and Jax would be like Jax. You don't see it that way I at all, think, do you? I think it's hard. I think right now, yes. I think Sonny wins every situation right now, and I don't like that. I don't I, – I am – I want so much more for Maurice Bernard and the character of Sonny than what we're getting now. I feel like it's just sort of – you know, a the stories all feel kind of the same to me. You know, Sonny does bad things. Sonny gets finds ways to get away with it. Sonny and Carly break up. Sonny and Carly get back together again. Sonny's in the mob. It all feels very repetitive to me. Whereas for me, if you get Sonny out of the mob, you open up a world of opportunities for the character, and you give Maurice Bernard, who's such a talented actor, other things to do. You know, other than just just play this this mob story. So. But but part of that is, I would maybe consider having Jax lose this battle or, or Sonny lose this battle. Like he and Jax go head to head, do this epic battle for months as they're they're roping in. You know, you could rope in Lois, you could rope in Brenda, you could you know you could loop in all kinds of different characters into the battle for the control of ELQ. And at the end of it, I would maybe have Jax you know, come out on top. And then Sonny looks at it and is like, "Well, hell, I lost that. Now where do I turn for power?" And the struggle for him then becomes, do I resist the urge to go back to the mob or, or, you know, can I find some other power base? Okay. I want to just wrap up on GH before I move to Dave. Um, uh, I feel like the characters of Ava and Nina are forced on the canvas. It just doesn't feel natural to them. If they both decided to leave, I don't think it would cause GH to have any problems storyline-wise. Oh, that's tough. Um, I think there are a lot of characters on the canvas, and I think GH needs to do some major cutting. I don't think, see, for me, I would not cut either of those characters. Um, I can understand the, the temptation to, and I can understand saying they feel sort of like forced on the canvas, but for me, I feel like what they need is a more natural fit onto the canvas. For example, right now, Nina is sort of hanging off the canvas. She doesn't really have a point, especially with Valentine, you know, you know, being off in jail. 
But if you remember, it wasn't all that long ago when Nina was, you know, first taking over Crimson and and running Crimson. They did a lot of scenes where um, she and Julian were butting heads, and the chemistry between William DeBrock and Michelle Stafford was off the hook. For me, I don't feel like right now I can invest in Julian and Alexis because of what he what Julian did to her. But you know, maybe give me some time, maybe put him somewhere else, maybe make him earn it, and at the same time, why not play those sparks between Nina and Julian? And let's see what happens there. Let's play with it. Let's let's you know, let's let them let's let them do their little dance and see what happens. With Ava, I again I feel like Ava, for me, would be part of the Sunny story. I would have Ava just, uh, just as just as Sunny is going to would have to work with Julian to help get rid of the mob. He would also have to work with Ava because Maurice Bernard and Maura West are just sort of like magic on screen together. So why not put them in a story that has the three of them, Julian, Sunny, and Ava, all working to bring down the five families, and then, you know, that also helps Ava sort of sort of regain. You know, Ava has become one of those characters who, like Sunny, has done a lot of horrible things and not really paid the price. Now, you know, we're sort of being told now that she's paying the price by being in the burn ward, and I'm excited to see where this story goes. But, you know, these are all characters in need of redemption, and maybe by joining forces and having them bring down the mob, you can do that. You know what I mean? Right. Okay, I'm just going to move into Dave and just try to make Dave really quick. Um, so with, uh, Ron Carlovati coming to, uh, Days, do you think that Days will go back and tomorrow, I've talked to you about this before in the past, back to more cloak and dagger, which I feel is more natural at you? I know that you're more, oh, I want Days to be more of a family drama, but I feel like Days is best suited in, uh, cloak and dagger out of all of them. I mean, maybe next to GH, but, um, uh, what's your take on that? I think all the soaps need to get away from Cloak and Dagger, honestly. I don't think that's something that they do particularly well. That is something that was an 80s thing that we got stuck in. The the soaps were so mega popular in the 80s that they got stuck in routines. You know, we got stuck in in super couples. We got stuck in Cloak and Dagger stories. We got stuck in over-the-top stuff with, you know, with, with borderline science fiction stories. And I think they need to get away from all of that because it is not what they do well. And it, there are, there are, it's, it's the kind of thing that people can get elsewhere. You know what they can't get elsewhere? They can't get good old-fashioned soap opera because nobody is doing good old-fashioned soap opera anymore. I don't mind seeing over-the-top stuff. Um, I don't mind, but I want it to be, there's a fine line where between over-the-top and relatable over-the-top. Um, Ron Carlovati can do really well over-the-top fun stuff. I I just would like to see him stay a little bit away from the stuff like, you know, masks and, and the stuff that he was doing at GH for a while there and focus more on, um, you know, like I'm really excited to see what he does with Eileen Davidson because this is an actress who can play anything, you know, even if she just comes back as Kristen. I would love to see Kristen back on the canvas causing trouble. So for me, it's a question of what will he do with that? But... I don't want to see Days of Our Lives go back to the days of, you know, like, okay, we're going to look for the misses, missing pieces of the prism. and But, again, that's me personally. That is just – I wasn't a fan of that when Days of Our Lives did it in the 80s. I'm not really a fan of shows doing it now. So it, you it, that's me bringing my own personal take into what I want for the show. 
Okay, so you you think that the only soap opera that really did good Cloak and Dagger was Edge of Night, and that's it? Well, Edge of Night didn't do Cloak and Dagger. Edge of Night did crime stories, and there's a difference. In fact, when Edge of Night did sort of more Cloak and Dagger, the stories weren't very successful. For example, if you think of one of the stories they did toward the end, or a couple of the stories they did toward the end, like The Martyr of Eden, where all of a sudden Jody saw a portrait and she looked, uh, Jody, who was played by Laurie Laughlin, saw a portrait and it looked just like her, and she found out there was this, this, this country called Eden that her descendant had died saving or some such thing. It was a terrible, horrible story that involved lots of cloak and dagger and was just wildly unpopular, and it was one of the stories that got the show killed off. But... When the Edge of Night did crime stories or mystery stories, nobody did them better because they understood the value of short-term villains. They knew bring somebody on, have them cause trouble, and then kill them or send them to jail. They didn't make the villains the heroes of the show. They didn't make them long-term characters. They didn't sign them to three-year contracts. And that is something that I would love to see soaps do again is understand the value of you know, bringing in, bring in a guest star. One of the best guest stars The Edge of Night ever brought on was Kim Hunter when they did the whole Mystery of the Damned storyline in which uh, Mansion of, of the, of the Damned. Damned. They were making a movie. Yep. They were making a horror movie, and Kim Hunter, very famous actress who won the Oscar, I believe, um, was brought on to play this, this really kind of uh, fantastic character who was over the top, and she was... She was a little bit crazy, and she also turned out to be a little bit of a killer. And she did this great, like, three- or four-month run and then was written off the show. That is something soaps could do. They could bring in good name actors who, you know, or B- or B-level actors who are willing to do a soap opera, but they don't want to do it for three years. They want to do it for, like, three or four months and build a great story arc around them. Right. Okay, I just have one last question, and I'm just going to hang up because I can call you in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm glad that you're back. Uh, the legacy Thank of you. Sheila, what do you want to see done with Sheila? Do you want her to cause trouble on Bold and Beautiful and then uh, transition and uh, uh, transition to Weiner and cause uh, Lauren some stress, or what do you want to see done with Sheila on uh, both shows going forward? Take care. Bye-bye. Well, I think, Sheila, thanks for calling, first of all. I always really enjoy when you call because I feel like it's almost like having a co-host. You ask really, really good questions, um, and you challenge me, and I really appreciate that. By the way, if you want to join the conversation, I'm going to answer the, the, his question, but if you want to join the conversation, the number here is 714-868-0749. Just push the little, uh, I believe it's number one, to indicate that you're on the line and want to talk, and I will get and I will bring you on. But to answer the Sheila question, for me, there's two things at play. The first question, of course, whenever you bring on a character like Sheila, um, let's assume that Sheila is going to say, no, I've changed. I enjoy those kind of stories where you're playing a redemption story, a character who has supposedly been redeemed and their time away from the canvas, and you play, are they really redeemed or is this, you know, or are they conning everyone? There's also, before we even get to what Sheila's long-term story is, there's a lot of questions that have to be asked. Where are her children? You know, she has, she has you know, the, the, the kids out there. I think Mary and I can't remember who else. 
Um, there was also the bigger question of what happened the last time Sheila was on the canvas when she was on Y&R. Was that really Sheila? Was it Sugar? Who was it? Because, you know, we, we need to explain the whole Sheila has Phyllis's face thing, which seems on its surface fairly easy to explore. But for me, I do a summer run with Sheila. I have, you know, I play this story on the Bull and the Beautiful, and wherever it leads, I do the opposite of what they did when she first came to the Bull and the Beautiful. You'll remember she was introduced on Y&R. She supposedly died in a fire and then showed up on Bold and the Beautiful. I wouldn't kill her on the Bold and the Beautiful because, you know, the, that that does get old, the whole back from the dead thing. You know, I'm, I'm making an exception here, Sheila, but I don't want to kill her again. But I would have her, you know, whatever, however they play her on Bold and the Beautiful, have it lead to a point where she feels trapped, has to leave town, skips town, goes to Genoa City, cause some trouble there, and then send her to prison. I wouldn't kill her again. I would end off with sending her to prison because I want the character to exist out there. And I know, as we've learned, you can kill a character and still have them exist out there, but I would rather have her exist out there um, in jail. I think that's, you know, for me, a better way of having the character out there. Uh, the next call here is going to be 734. 734, you're on the air. Uh, hello? Hi. Hi, I am calling. I had some questions um, regarding uh, General Hospital. All right, we'll see if I have any answers. First of all, who am I talking to and where are you from? Uh, Suzanne, I am from Michigan. Hi, Suzanne from Michigan. Hello. (laughs) I was wondering if they had any upcoming storyline for uh, Laura. Or is she just going to continue to do backup? Um, You know, it depends on how you define storyline. I think you're going to see more of Laura now that that Spencer is on the canvas because Spencer has arrived at a really interesting time. Laura and Kevin Mm -hmm. are sort of at this point where they need to move forward in their relationship. You know, it's sort of what my mom would call – no, my mom would never say this – but what other people's moms would say, blank or get off the pot. Um, But – at the same time, how do you do that when suddenly she has responsibility for this child who is, let's go with precocious, you know? Um, I also, I have to say, exactly. I don't know about you, but I like, I have to say, I like the way they're writing Spencer right now. Under, you know, under, mm-hmm. under Carlo Vati, he sometimes got, a, the, the character sometimes was a little too mature for me. Here, he's playing mature, but still a child. And I love that. I Like, I loved all the stuff with Spencer today. I thought Spencer and Laura... And 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 Sonny and Scott, all of them were adorable today. I loved it. So yes, I think we will mm-hmm. see more of Laura, but I don't. But I, I I'll be interested to see you know just how much more. I do know they have stuff coming up, but I don't. I don't know that it qualifies as like big story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering because I ha- had watched for years and years and kind of was a lapsed viewer and kind of got drawn back in with her relationship with Kevin. I just happened to catch it on TV last summer, and now it's like missing in action. Are you the surprised whole relationship. By, are you surprised by how much you like Laura and Kevin? Like, when they first started pairing Laura and Kevin, I was like, 
I wasn't sure if I could see this because, of course, you know, I was a big fan of Lucy and Scotty and, of course, Laura, or, or Lucy and Kevin and, of course, Laura and Scotty and Laura and Luke. And, and, and so I wasn't really sure. But this was a great example of being able to, for me, move a legacy character with one of the, you know, Luke and Laura, that's one of the most famous romances in daytime history, and yet I think they very seamlessly for me moved her into this Kevin relationship because they did it nice and slow and played them as friends. Would you agree? I would totally agree, and I was really shocked at how much I have enjoyed it. It's just they kind of have been missing in action for the last, I think, two or three months. And I was wondering if that is going to continue or did they plan on pairing her with somebody else or it just seems no, like we'll it's kind of. We will definitely be seeing more of Laura and Kevin in the, in the coming weeks. Um, it's, and like I said, with Spencer on the canvas, he's going to play into their story in a really fun way. Oh, okay. Um, that's really all I had. And I appreciate you taking my call. That's it. That's it? You hold yeah. on and that's all? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you, well, then let me ask you a question. As a long-time Certainly. General Hospital viewer who sort of walked away from the show and has come back, um, you mentioned that it mm-hmm. was, you know, that, that Laura and her having story and her and Kevin having story was one of the things that brought you back. What's mm-hmm. working? As a lapsed viewer who has come back, what's working for you right now and what's not working for you? Um, I would have to say I've enjoyed it more when they've had um, the legacy characters on, and I've enjoyed a lot of this recent stuff with Spencer. Um, I don't enjoy, I know a lot of people are going to not like this, I don't enjoy anything with Sonny, nothing with, I, I don't know if I feel it's, I got back into watching the show and all of a sudden they had this whole Morgan death thing and it just seemed to consume the entire show. And maybe it's because I wasn't invested in Morgan. I mean, I was kind of a lapsed viewer and it just seemed to take over everything. Um, well, let me and ask I you just this. didn't, I just didn't care. I, I, I mean, I just didn't care. I don't care for, for, Sunny and Carly, and it just seems like when they're on, it's like, oh, no, not again. It's like they kind of seem like they're central to the show, and I think they need to make things more, maybe if they had more lighthearted family scenes and fun scenes mixed in with Sunny and Carly, I might enjoy it more. But, well, let me I ask mean, you this. Mm-hmm. You, you. I mean, obviously, if you if you've been watching the show for a long time, you know, I'm I'm betting that when you watched it before, before you walked away, that Sunny was on the show. Then, did you always feel this way about Sunny, or was this sort of more since you came back to the show? This is more since I came back to the show because I've watched the show since '72, when uh, my babysitter, my son, well, my. Um, brother's babysitter watched it and I kind of got hooked in as a very young child I mean I watched it and I watched for years but there have been big periods of time where I kind of stopped watching it 
um, when it just got too, I don't know, um, over the top or I, I don't know. It just got, I, I hadn't really watched it for maybe seven, eight years until I started again this last summer. I mean, I always kind of kept up on the storylines by looking online and this and that, but. Right. We walk um, away, but we never turn our back. We always kind of keep an eye exactly, on it. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. Like we always look to see, and then, and then suddenly you're like, oh, they're giving Laura's story. I'm going to come back and check it out. And That's when you were watching what it before, was, because I, yeah. When you were watching before, so, that, you know, it, it would have been, um, you know, I'm trying to think what was going on back then, but, like, Sonny was, you know, like, you, you probably were there for the Sonny and Brenda years, the Sonny Brenda Jack stuff. Mm-hmm, did you mm-hmm. did you like that stuff? Did you like, did you, and how did you feel about the character at that time? Um, I could take him or leave him, but okay. now I absolutely don't like when he is on. And I know I... I know that sounds bad, but and I don't want well, to just any actors okay. anything. I mean, all, I think he's a great actor, but I just this is a don't, safe zone. This is a safe zone. Yeah, You're I just to don't. It. It's okay. <laughs> care for, um, I, I don't care for it, and I think what also has turned me off is the whole Julian and Alexis thing. That has really, it, it's. I just can't go there, and they just seem to be pushing all these mobsters, and I, I don't like that. I, you know, they never pay. I mean, I'm very much on the same seems, page with you. I'm I'm very much on the same yeah. page with you. Um, I, I I've said for a while that, and, and we talked about this a little bit on last week's show that there was a period in like, you know, maybe the late nineties, I think it started maybe, maybe the early two thousands when, when we, the soaps began introducing anti-heroes, you know, the Todd Mannings. Um, well, you can go all the way back to Luke Spencer. He was an anti-hero when he first came on. I mean, he did rape Laura. Um, but now it feels like almost like the characters who are on all day, every day, whether it's the, you know, the, that are a spe- specifically on general hospital are the anti-heroes. You know, we don't get a lot of heroes or good people or, um, you know, and, and, and for me, especially in this dark age that we live in right now, you know, people look are looking for some romance and some humor and some inspiration and some aspiration. And, and I feel like that's something that we're not getting enough of. And I can't help but wonder, as we look at the ratings of the soaps and we see them going down, um, I can't help but wonder if that's part of the reason is that, that people are looking elsewhere because they want something that, that, you know, they want to see good triumph over evil. They want to see good things happen. And I think that's kind of why I go back to the story of wanting to do Julian and, and Sonny teaming up and saying, you know what, we both have women who we love and we need to do something huge to prove to them our love. We're going to bring down the five families. We're going to end the mob in Port Charles because that's like to me that's a grand gesture. It's like it's and mm-hmm. and, it, and it allows the show to to sort of turn a corner and say, okay, this is us saying to the audience, we get it. We get that we've been a little mob heavy. We're going to get away from that. And and you don't have to write the characters off. You don't have to get rid of them. But you're suddenly painting them in a different light. You're giving this 
you're, you're, you know, you're, you're giving us, you're letting, you're letting us say, okay, the moral compass was broken, and now we're going to repair it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, it's, it's becoming more, more and more difficult for me to watch because it is just so focused on all this. To me, it's negativity, and I I mm-hmm. do watch for, for the romance and the families and and. Did you watch it, today's episode? I mean, I, 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 um, yes, I did, and I loved okay. it. Okay, I was going to say, mean, wasn't I, today's even? I mean, I even, even liked Sunny today. Right, right. Yes, I, I was even, just going to say, Sunny Laura Spencer I even liked were today. adorable. Carly and mm-hmm. Carly and Joss, those scenes were with with the daughter, like sort of saying to her mom, "Listen, you are just making huge mistakes in your life." We had the we had the stuff with TJ and Stella and Jordan and Curtis. I mean, there was a lot of for me. This I I was watching this and I said, "This is good soap opera for me." There's there's just all this family stuff going on, and there's a little bit of humor, and there's some fun stuff, and and you know, it, it really felt like more what I personally look for in a soap opera than than when we get, you know, episodes that and, and it also didn't feel as recappy. Sometimes it's a lot of just sitting around recapping. I felt like today we had actual mm-hmm. it even the recap felt like real conversations. I loved today's GH. I I yeah absolutely loved today's episode. I mean that's I could watch I mean that I loved it. And I think they should keep Stella if they could somehow keep her. I really like her. Oh my gosh, I it just agree. Adds I... Something, it just adds something more. I mean, that's what I like to see, but this focus on, I think it started to me, I was really getting into it last summer. I got into the Laura and Kevin relationship and I got back into the show and the minute they had Borgen die, I just lost it. It just seemed to, take over the entire show. And and since then, it's just been the Sunny and Carly. And I, I just, I, I don't think there's enough lighthearted family stuff, but we have seen that more in the last couple of weeks, maybe. It goes through phases. Returning I, like, and, I agree. I feel like it goes through phases where we'll get like three or four episodes in a row where it's like, yes, the show is, you know, giving us what we want. And then, and then you get the it's, it's General Hospital for me right now is a very schizophrenic show. Half the time it is mm-hmm. the show that I want it to be and that I love, and half the time it goes back to being sort of a lot of really heavy exposition, a lot of plot points, and a lot of darkness. And if they could just balance it again and get things back on track, so that you know characters that we love don't go missing for weeks and weeks on end. Uh, you know that that drives me crazy. It drives me absolutely crazy when when people that I I want to see just vanish. You know, like like why? If, I don't remember the last time we saw Brad and Lucas on screen at the same time. <laughs> you know, like no, like yeah, I, that I, I, is, I, I don't remember. I, yeah, that is. That I don't is remember crazy. a time and when Lulu lose... and Dante. I don't remember a time when Lulu and Dante weren't talking about babies. <laughs> you know, like like whether it was exactly. a baby they wanted to have else? or a baby they didn't have or. That was another big turnoff for me was that whole Charlotte, who is my daddy. They kept switching her dads. It just seems so random, crazy. I don't know if they changed the story halfway through or if it was. I I don't even know. It doesn't. It still doesn't make sense to me. Um, 
You know, and I of agree. course, and I kind of, you know, I wasn't no, watching ahead. when they had the whole embryos and all that. I, I would catch an episode here and there, and I would keep up online, but it wasn't anything that really drew me in until this last summer I got back drawn in. But I'm almost at the point of saying, to heck with this. They're not showing the characters or stories I want to see. It's all all this, I do don't you know. Now, it, it, do you now or have you in the past watched any other shows? Um, in the way, way past, I have, I watched One Life to Live and All My Children, but I okay. wasn't a huge, huge fan. I knew what was going on, but that was back maybe when I was in high school and college. We're talking like Greg um, and Jenny and stuff. Right. Back then, I re- right. remember those well, Greg and Jenny and Nina and Cliff and uh, all those stories. Um, um, remember, really remember the whole the story with Nina really and Cliff in the Nina and Cliff and Palmer and Myrna, uh, Myra, whatever her name right. was, uh, in the mansion and Nina going blind and oh my God, I loved that yeah. stuff. <laughs> I mean, I I would watch back then and then I kind of always I kind of was a lapsed viewer a little bit when after I got out of college and then I, when Luke and Laura returned, I kind of tuned back in again and watched for several years after that and um, did watch when Laura left Catatonic for a while. And then I just kind of got out of watching. Um, It it just, I I think I was, I got drawn into the, the show because of Laura, I, I mean, she just—I mean, she just really drew me into that show, and that's who I've always been drawn is to her stories, as well, well as the other stories. But I've always really liked that character. Well, hopefully, to bring everything full circle as we wrap up the show. Which, by the way, thanks for calling, and I hope you will call again soon. Um, I really enjoyed chatting with you, and I'll be interested to hear. Over the next couple of weeks, I'll be interested to hear back from you whether, you know, the show sort of stayed on the track to keep you or whether you wound up saying, you know, I'm going to wander away again. So check back in with us and let us know what what you think. Promise? I I will because I'm on the fence right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I look forward to hearing from you uh, again in the future. Um, meanwhile, they, you know, there is, like I said, there is Laura stuff coming up with Laura and Kevin. So, um, so hang in there. You will, you will get more with Laura, Kevin and Spencer. Meanwhile, that brings us to the end of the show. And I want to thank, um, my callers and I want to, of course, thank the listeners because without you, as I always say, or really as Sandra Bernhardt said, and I steal from her without you, I'm nothing, uh, Pick up the new issue of Soaps in Depth. Uh, this week's cover story is about Victor and his plan to regain control of everything. That's the CBS cover. The next issue coming out for ABC is a little early to talk about right now, but uh, it's, it's a, a good one. Uh, please come back next week, and if you want to join the conversation, find me on Twitter at Soaps in Depth ABC or Soaps in Depth CBS. My personal account is at How Rude Are You, and you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trophy, T-R-A-L-F-I. 
I E. That's a name from Facebook that has, or from uh, MySpace that has stayed with me. Uh, if you've got questions that you'd like to see or topics that you'd like to see addressed on a future show, please feel free to drop me a line, whether it's a tweet or a private message or a Facebook message or whatever, and I will do that. Uh, lining up a couple of guests for some time in the next few weeks. We'll see how that pans out. It all depends on uh, uh, scheduling and stuff. But as always, like I said, this show is about you. I really like hearing your opinions and and, and uh, sharing my thoughts with you. So have a great Monday evening, uh, and we will do this again next week. Until then, remember, because it's soaps, what do you have to do? Tune in tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.